0: Welcome back to our podcast, which we call Busting Addiction and the Myths That Surround It. This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer clients a life-changing experience in the perfect environment for recovery. And it's closer than you think. Just visit safehouserehab.com to learn more. My name is Bruno J, and here's why I created this podcast. It's getting crazier and more deadly than we could have ever imagined just 10 years ago with opioids and now fentanyl, which is a hundred times more potent than heroin. A while ago, I noticed that there was no podcast dedicated solely to talking to that one super important group without whom many addicts would never make it in. And I realized then that I had the ammo to blow up some of these myths so that nothing but the truth survived. So if you love an addict or alcoholic and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, then this podcast is for you. If your loved one is driving you crazy and stealing your money, your peace of mind, and your sanity, this podcast is for you. And if you're feeling rage and shame and your self-esteem has been flushed down the tubes, this podcast is for you, too. We call this episode number 10, The Greatest Barrier is Stigma, also known as Ignorance. In this episode, I discuss how the stigma associated with alcohol and drug abuse is the greatest barrier to healing at the personal and societal level. Believe it or not, even with all the research and publicity surrounding alcoholism and addiction, there is still these myths that say, here are some of them, all you gotta do is say no. Straighten up and fly right. It's a matter of willpower. It's a sign of weakness. It's a moral failing. A few nights in jail will straighten them out. It's a lifestyle choice, a bad one, but it's still a choice. Do you remember a TV ad campaign for the Partnership for Drug-Free America that showed a young woman holding up an egg and saying, this is your brain? Then she breaks the egg into a pan and scrambles it and says, this is your brain on drugs. It's a great idea, and it's the perfect metaphor. This is one of my all-time favorite ads. It made people cringe, especially those who had a loved one in the family who was a drug addict. What did it do for the drug? What did it do for the drug addict? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because with active addicts, all of whom, as I said, are in denial, they don't even pay attention. I know I didn't pay attention at the time, and I was just a garden variety alcoholic addict. After extensive research, the Partnership for Drug-Free America made a decision years later that shifted the focus of their multi-million dollar ad campaign from trying to change addict behavior to dealing with that invisible but real barrier, changing societal attitudes about addiction, overcoming, smashing, destroying the myth, the stigma that persists stubbornly in people's heads to this very day. I was lucky to have been part of this new campaign, which my ad agency was chosen to launch after a competition, to see who had the most compelling campaign. Should I mention my ad agency? Okay, it was and is, BVK. You can go visit them at bvk.com if you like. Go ahead and look us up. I'm still grateful that I was chosen to represent our firm as a senior account planner, along with an incredible artist and producer, Terry B. Imagine me as a thinker, a broken-down old drunk who experienced the miracle of recovery, recovering this brain function or enough of it to become a useful member of society. Why am I telling you this? Well, herein lies a great lesson for some of you who have yet to jettison your old ideas about addiction. And you may be holding on to those old ideas, but I guarantee you the result of that will be more pain and confusion. And you will be of little help to the addict you love and to your family as a whole. Our campaign didn't just beat around the bush. We came straight at the stigma. Imagine a young woman staring into the camera. She looks to be in her late 20s, ragged around the edges, and you're not sure if she's still using drugs or not. A small title beneath her face says, Amelia, addict. And she says, I need treatment, not jail. And then she says, we have thousands of addicts in jail where we are spending millions housing them. And then they get out and go right back to using it would be way better if we changed our attitudes as a society so that we could treat addicts the way we treat any disease and we could save millions of dollars and thousands of lives. Other TV commercials and ads, for example, a young 30-ish guy says, I'm a sick person, not a bad person. Another one, a young woman, says, if I had cancer, would you judge me? And so on. What was different about this approach? Well, one... It was directed to an entirely different audience, the general public as opposed to addicts, and also to the people who might be more directly affected by having an addict as a family member. Two, it took on the stigma directly by having you empathize, perhaps for the first time ever, that addicts are not the other, but human beings, like you and me. Three, it tried to change the conversation from punishment to treatment, from judgment to caring, from addicts being bad people to being sick people, and believe it or not, deserve treatment, just like someone who has cancer or diabetes. I sometimes introduce myself at recovery meetings this way, Hi, I'm Bruno, and I'm an alcoholic addict, and I'm addicted to my opinion too. I always get a chuckle with that one. One thing I came to believe over the last years, both as a recovered addict and as an observer of social science research in my profession, is this. One of the most difficult things people are faced with in their lives is to change the way they think. Our cherished opinions become part of our identity. Just look at our politics today. Identity politics rules the day. So when my view of the world, my worldview as some call it, is challenged, when my cherished opinion is challenged, it rocks my identity, especially if my opinion is strongly and tightly held and it fits neatly into the tapestry of my belief system. If I believe that stopping the use of drugs is just a matter of willpower, it will take a lot to change my mind. To understand that, by the time a person is addicted, he has lost his power of choice, and his behavior is compulsive, overriding any will he might still possess to not do this. Me and my opinion are inseparable, Uh uh-oh. I think you should be able to say whether a person was liberal or conservative with just a few questions. And you'd be able to predict that person's opinion on several other topics. Why is that? Because that person's worldview, to make sense in his own eyes, requires that he also believe other things that are logical strands woven into the tapestry of his beliefs. It is also important to him, of course, that he has a social support for his beliefs, reinforcement without which he would be hard-pressed to defend, as those beliefs are part of his social or social media identity. Are you bored yet? Well, if you believe that drug addicts are being coddled and we need stronger enforcement, would you call that a liberal or would you call that a conservative opinion? What about you as a parent or sibling, close friend or colleague of a known addict? Do you have it in your heart to change the way you think about his addiction? Can you have compassion for his state of mind, knowing now that his brain is damaged and he's in the grip of a disease, that he's channeling the disease and not thinking clearly? that he lies so as to protect his ability to continue his using. No? That's hard, isn't it? You can change the way you think if you haven't already done so. What you may need at this point is help in making a truly well-informed decision about what to do in this stage of your life. That's where we can help, here at Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we stand ready 24-7 To answer any, we mean any, questions you could possibly have about the possible options open to you and your loved one, just contact us at info at safehouserehab.com or visit safehouserehab.com, and if you like, call the number that matches the country you're calling from, local call, any time of day or night, just like that. We offer a life-changing experience in the perfect environment for recovery. And by the way, we also offer a $1,000 airfare allowance to make it that much closer for you. This is the kind of help your loved one may need, compassion and caring in the right way. Some say that when you show compassion for the addict, you're just a bleeding heart and excusing his actions. You are not excusing his actions. You are explaining his actions. And that's a fairly simple thing. This is what addicts say and do. They are in the grips of a disease that, one, tells them they do not have a problem. It's the only disease I know of that tells the affected one that he has no disease. To an addict, denial is a river in Egypt. Number two, he has been blaming others or bad luck or someone out to get him for his misfortunes in life. There are so many misfortunes for him. Three, has you sympathizing with him, nodding your head in some agreement to the point where he thinks he can ask you for money. Four, four, he shifts the focus from his drug abuse as the problem to you as the problem because you're in the way. Either he gets pissed off at you for not lending him money, which he will never pay back anyway, never, or you won't give him the car or drive him to his dealer, also known as his friend. He won't tell you it's a dealer. Or you won't bail him out of jail. It just goes on and on and on. You know, So you're the problem. He's not the problem. His addiction isn't the problem. You're just in the way. What we say in recovery is that our bad behavior is, is explained by our disease, but it doesn't excuse it either. And just like growing up or growing up decades after we were supposed to have grown up, we, we are the, the case of arrested, uh, arrested development. There is that part of the 12-step program that has us making direct amends, not to ask for or get forgiveness, and that's different, right? But to own up to what we did, to the people we have harmed, to hold ourselves finally accountable, And this is very important to not condemn ourselves either. We do not grovel. We look you in the eye and pay back the money, acknowledge the lies and hurt we have caused, express a sincere apology, and strive never to repeat the same mistakes. The main object is to sweep our side of the street clean. When we were drinking and using what an addict is using, he is an infantile personality, thin skinned, hypersensitive to criticism, a king baby domineering yet dependent. He craves your approval, and he has a very low opinion of himself, but he projects arrogance and rigidity. We said this before, he's an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. So addicts can be thoroughly unlikable people, or they can, like chameleons, morph into someone you feel is a nice guy, because he works so hard to be liked and to fit in. Because what you think of him is the most important thing in the world. He does, after all, not think of very highly of himself. Easy to judge this guy, right? But if you were fully cognizant that all of the behavior I just described is driven, determined, characteristic, and symptomatic of addictive disorder, you might see it differently, right? In other words, if not for this disease, would this person still act this way? How would we know? Well, we do know. We compare the who we once were with the who we are now there are a few addicts who wouldn't nod their heads to the portrayal of the person I described. This is what we say in our recovery language, what it was like, what happened, and what we are like now. So many of our personal stories of redemption follow this simple structure, to shine the light on what we used to do, what was the event that brought about surrender, and what is life like today, sober and grateful and giving something of ourselves back just to stay clean and sober, if nothing else. All that said, there's still a powerful societal stigma associated with alcohol and drug addiction. And more so with drug addiction. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like it's more okay to be an alcoholic than it is to be a drug addict. What if you're like me? What if you're like both an alcoholic and an addict? What do you want to admit to? Now I know it doesn't make sense, but that doesn't have to be real. just racial or gender bias, right? And this prejudice, this bias, this stigma is more important than maybe you think. I hate to break the news this way, but your own preconceptions about addiction could be standing in the way of getting an accurate assessment of your loved one's problem. So instead of being mad at him, you should get mad at his disease and get help for him because, again, you cannot do this one on your own. It's way bigger than you and your addict son will ever be. In the bigger scheme of things, too, at the societal level, this is what the experts at Chatterproof.org and the Milken Institute of Future Health say about stigma. Quote, The biggest driver of our country's addiction crisis is the unjust stigma associated with substance abuse disorder. I repeat, the biggest driver of our country's addiction crisis is the unjust stigma associated with substance abuse disorders. Stigma equals prejudice. Stigma equals bias. Stigma equals misunderstanding. Stigma equals contempt, even hate. What does a drug addict look like in your head? The odds are that the addict is way more likely to be a 30-something decent-looking white boy. Not what you th- not what you thought, maybe. This whole issue of the myths surrounding addiction is very important to me, as you can tell. That's why I decided to call my podcast Busting Addiction and Its Myths. I can't bust addiction literally, but I can help arrest it, as in, you're busted. And I can sure help explode those dangerous myths that might be keeping addicts enslaved unnecessarily, in my humble opinion, and their families too. So what are the things we learned today? One, the typical myth is that somehow an addiction is a moral failing, and that the addict just needs to exert his own willpower to get over it. Two, some of us need to change the way we think if we are to be truly helpful. That is to see addicts as sick people, not bad people, but not to excuse their actions either. We're not all there yet. Three, we stay addicted to our opinions because our opinions are a part of our identity. Four, the biggest driver of a drug abuse epidemic is the unjust stigma associated with substance abuse disorder, according to the experts. The Busting Addiction and the Myths that Surrounded podcast is brought to you by the caring professionals at Safe House Rehab Thailand who offer clients a life-changing experience in the perfect environment for recovery. Just ask us any question, we mean any question, at info at safehouserehab.com. And we may use it on the air with your permission, of course, or visit us at safehouserehab.com. We want to help you make an informed decision for yourself and your loved one at this very important time in your family's life. So tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and the myths that travel with it.